You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hello, good evening. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode 69 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name's Charlotte Greenway and it's Friday the 20th of January. We'll start by recapping on the news from this week. Yesterday, Lydia Hislop was present at the sentencing by the disciplinary panel of disgraced jockey Danny Brock and explained how it went, but started with a quick overview of Danny and his offences. He's a a former jockey. He now has a a role as a a greyhound trainer. He hasn't ridden since 2021 when he got a 30-day ban for a series of whip offences when he had one of the highest breach rates ever seen by the British Horse Racing Authority. Uh, He has now been warned off for 15 years for deliberately preventing horses from running on their merits as part of a corrupt betting conspiracy. It uh, relates to three races from December 2018 to March 2019. Um, Sean McBride, who's the assistant trainer to uh, to Charlie McBride and a good friend of Danny Brock's, he's been warned off by seven years. Um, and three others, Eugene Maloney, Luke Howells and Andrew Dering, who were all already excluded. Uh, Tim Charlton, who was the chair of the disability panel, uh, he directed the BHA that any application to remove their exclusion should not be entertained for a minimum of 15 years in each case. What did you learn yesterday that that struck you most most obviously two things really uh danny brock chose not to appear uh he said that he was concerned about his and his family's safety and he had applied at the start um for the hearing to be heard in private and tim charlton then said that the balance of justice required it to be heard in public and i think that was right however um danny brock not being there to defend himself is going to have implications for him. He's quoted in the Racing Post today um, saying that he's considering an appeal against his 15 years warning off because I'm being made out to be someone I'm not. Um, and during the course of the of yesterday's um, sentencing, Louis Weston made the, the case uh, about Danny Brock. What purpose does this man serve in the sport, he said? He's corrupt. He shouldn't be in it. Um, so Danny chose not to defend himself, chose not to put evidence, chose not to appear. And now he is complaining that uh, he's being made out to be someone he's not, having been offered the chance to to put across who he is and what he is now um, and not done it. Now, I, you know, he's, he's said that he's got concerns about his and his family's safety. Fair enough. But th- that opportunity was there. Flightline was officially crowned world's best racehorse this week and given a rating of 140, a rating equaled only by Frankel in 2012. A coincidence, they say? So Nick asked the co-chair of the International Federation of Handicapping Authorities, Dominic Gardner-Hill, how they got to that figure. Well, using the normal methodology, Nick, in terms of working out his superiority over his opponents, um, calculating it down pounds per length. Obviously, you can't really argue with it. I mean, this horse is one of the most brutal gallopers I've ever seen. Um, Six victories in his career, combined total of 72 lengths or something in terms of his victories, average winning distance of just under 12 lengths. I think I've seen two freaks in my lifetime as a handicapper. One was Frankel, this is the other one. 
some will say, well, that's rather convenient. They both landed on, a, on exactly the same number. When you all got together and decided what number he should have, was there complete accord? Well, originally, after the Pacific Classic, uh, we published at 139 in the interim list. Um, myself and Nigel, as co-chairman, were both very strong for 140 at that point. Um, but other members of the committee weren't quite so sure. You know, the horse only had five runs. Is this too good to be true? Is it one of those dirt races where he's flattered by the, the winning margin? Could you have gone higher after the Pacific Classic? You could have done. You could have done. So why didn't you? Uh, because we, using our experience as handicappers, Nick, we were trying to keep a lid on it and trying to come up with what we thought was an appropriate figure for a world-class racehorse, one of the best we've seen. Um, and we published at 139 after the interim list and one of the sort of caveats from the other handicappers was, well, let's see what he does in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's see if he can back it up with a similar performance. And he did. And after that, when we met uh, for the full meeting in December, then it was much easier to convince them that 140 was the appropriate figure for the horse. The weather is causing havoc again as minus temperatures have engulfed the UK over the last couple of days. Sadly, Ascot's Clarence House meeting has been abandoned tomorrow, where we were, of course, supposed to see the clash between Energumen and Edward Stone. But it may well still happen, as it was confirmed to Nick today, that Energumen would definitely run should the race be rescheduled for Cheltenham next weekend, as is predicted. Joining Ascot, Taunton and Fakenham this weekend as victims of the cold weather could well be Lingfield on Sunday. They cancelled their jumps meeting this afternoon but will go ahead on the all-weather tomorrow. However, they're said to need a bit of luck to get their jumps racing on on the turf on Sunday. One horse who can't be there, even if they beat the weather, is Noble Yates after the BHA ruled him out of the fleur-de-lis chase after his trainer Emmett Mullins failed to upload up-to-date vaccination information ahead of entries closing. And so Nick put a call into owner Robert Whaley-Cohen to see if he'd identified where his Grand National winner will get his Gold Cup prep instead. Uh, I think we'll probably aim to go to the Cotswold chase until he's six days later. Um, it, it's, uh, uh, and I have to say the ground at uh, Lingfield, given that they've uh, abandoned Friday and they're covering waterlogged ground to protect against frost, could be very difficult anyway. Might be a blessing in disguise. Cots will chase Cheltenham the following week. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so it looks like Cheltenham the following week. Um, I'm guessing the, the reports are good. Last time I spoke to him at Mullins, he said the horse was in good nick. Horse in excellent order. Thank you. And how do you feel about the not being able to run at Lingfield because of the vaccination technicality? Well, I, I think it's a, an, an annoyance that there isn't a clicker when you enter to say you're missing some information rather than waiting till entries are closed at 10 o'clock and then just sending an automated thing saying, sorry, you haven't uploaded some piece of information we need. Why don't they do it the moment you enter? Which happens, I've just checked in. As you hear, I'm on an aeroplane. They say, I need your COVID information. I need your... Um, uh, these are information. Then you can sh- then you can select a seat. But until then, you're not checked in. Uh, they don't wait till you turn up at the airport and then say, "Sorry, you haven't uploaded your information." It'd be so easy for them to trigger. I, and it probably told it's not easy. But if if they can trigger it the moment entries close, they can trigger it the moment entries are made, and mm. that would save all these issues. But we're not the only person who's been caught out by this. Um, there's lots of people who. who and I know there's been lots of information, and I know there's been lots of advertisements, but nevertheless, people do make errors. Uh, and it would just be terribly easy for Wellington to send back a note. I think you're about to <laughs> about to take off. It might be doors to manual. Not at all. Thanks for your time, Robert, and um, good luck if he goes to Cheltenham.
The real Wacker announced himself as one of the leading novice chasers on this side of the Irish Sea when comfortably beating Montmirail last time in the Grade 2 Dipper Novices Chase at Cheltenham on New Year's Day. He's got a handful of entries at the Cheltenham Festival, so when Nick caught up with his trainer Paddy Neville this week, he asked whether it would be the Turners, the Brown Advisory or even the Gold Cup for his stable star. Yeah, uh, there's a few, few involved uh... Rebecca Dennis is a share in the horse. There's four of us involved in the horse. Uh, and Alan Duffus is up in Scotland. So uh, we're kind of actually probably thinking realistically the Brown Advisory, yeah. That would be the more realistic one. But we're still still uh, we're still in the Gold Cup. Mm. Uh, just waiting. Uh, so it's not every day you'd have a horse for the Gold Cup. So <laughs> we'll just we'll just wait and see. Uh it looks like on the ground it could break up to uh, a wide open gold cup, you know. Mm. So we'll just wait and see. Uh, probably on the horse and his and his experience so far, and uh, he's only a novice, so probably the Brown Advisory would be the one. Yeah. Yeah, I I can tell there's a bit of head and heart going on here. You know, every sensible bit of you thinks, well, we'll run him in the race that he looks like he can he can actually win and win quite well, but. Is there a bit of all of you that thinks, how many times is it going to happen to us that we've got one ripe and sound and ready for a Gold Cup? Yeah. It's dream stuff, like, so we're all our life involved in horses, so, like, it's not every day one of these horses come along, you know, so to have one in the Gold Cup is even special, you know. Uh, like, everyone's dream is to have a runner in the Gold Cup or even a runner in Cheltenham, not to mind the Gold Cup, so... It's yeah. We'll just take our time. We have another. Uh, we have another bit to go and see. Do you know? So we'll we'll make the decision. <laughs> do you do you, do you want to run him again, Paddy, or not? Between now and then, I'm not going to run him. No, uh, he's no. We'll have him. We'll have him. He just had a couple of since he's run. He he came out of his race for us well, and uh, we'll we'll just give him. He's just had an easy time there for the last two weeks. So. We'll just give him another easy week and then just get him ready for Cheltenham. Tell me about tell me how how all the bits fit in to place. How you and Davy and Bex and and your other owner how do how do you all fit together as a as a foursome? Yeah, we we uh, Davy's Davy grew up with me yes, in Ireland, uh, and I I came from Ireland there over twelve months ago, and uh, I probably the reason I came over was I I, I was struggling there training horses in Ireland. Uh, in the location of the country where I was and then we started coming over I had a few winners in Perth and Hexham and uh, Carlisle and places so then between between uh, the cost and, and, and Everton coming over and the travelling of the horses and things I, I decided that I'd give it a go uh, and I rented uh, I rented stables off Van Duffield and uh, so I ended up uh meeting a couple of people and we had a few winners and things and I met a couple of these owners and a bit of success brought a couple of more owners and uh, Davey stuck with me from Ireland uh, he was only one of maybe two or three owners that, that came stuck with me so uh, that's where that came that's where that's where it all, all fit in and and is it does it does it does it strike you as a something of an irony that you're now there as you know quote unquote one of the leading british hopes for the cheltenham festival 
Well, I think everyone's enjoying the journey with the with the real whacker, and I hope I hope you're not minding the, or I hope you're enjoying the attention a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we, we're we're busy, and that's the way to be. Uh, we're we like being busy. Uh, we do, we like it, and uh, it was actually I went home there for a few days last week, uh, back to Ireland, and uh, it was like everyone, everyone, everywhere I walked into Dublin, into a hotel in Dublin, and uh, and I these lads they were calling, "Come on, the real whacker." <laughs> so they might they might know me, but they know the horse more. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's a it's a, it's a great position to be in, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I still can't quite work out where he's where he's going to run, but I can tell the way you I can tell the way you're thinking. I think. Yeah, yeah, you'll you, you're probably yeah. Being realistically, that that would be the race, but we'll keep us we'll keep options open for another while. Now, the interview I enjoyed most on the podcast this week had to be from yesterday's show where Nick caught up with the remarkable Luck Chin from New Zealand who, at the age of 80, is still driving in harness races. And when he spoke to Nick, he'd just got off the racetrack and here's how he'd got on. Yes, um, I had three in one race and the other two got first, and Quinn Allen got first and second and I think I ran about fifth or sixth or something, yeah. Uh, just, just for those who aren't familiar, I mean, this is is such a labour of, of love for you. You've been doing it since the since the early nineteen eighties, but it's not it's not your day job. You're a, a very very busy man. Yes, I'm a, I'm an anaesthetist, a specialist anaesthetist. Actually trained in the UK. I was five years in Birmingham, the Midlands training scheme. Got a fellowship from the Royal College of London and fellowship from the Royal College of Ireland. See, so I, I, I've got some um, links to the UK. And so, where did the where did the driving come in? Where did the horses come in? Where did the driving come in? Well, I came back, and I've always been interested in horses. And uh, I had a couple of horses before I left to go to UK to do my um, postgraduate studies. And on the way back, I thought, well, you know, I'll keep my interest in horses. So I start to breed a few, and then I realised that, oh gosh, you know, you spend all the time training and breaking your horses and breeding them, and and then suddenly, you know, somebody else gets on the cart and for three minutes they have all the fun. So I thought, well, why don't I get my own licence? So I, I got my own um, probationary licence first and then got my open driver's licence about all oh, 25, 30 years ago. And since then I bred, trained, broken them in, and, um, and driven all my own horses since. 
I know people really don't like to make a big fuss of of their age, but there aren't that many people into their ninth decade still still working, let alone as a, a practicing anesthetist and having a pretty physical. Um, it's more than a side hustle, a pretty physical second job uh, along the way. What is it that really kind of motivates you and keeps you going, like? Uh, well. I love the game, and honestly, you know, every time you win a race, you, you get a buzz. I don't know how many races you win, you get a buzz. I can remember driving my first winner, 1984. I drove my first winner, and uh, I got buzzed. We partied all night, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I still and I still get a buzz out of it, yeah, driving a winner now, even though I think I've driven about 150, 60 winners now, yeah. So, and uh, the good thing about it is that, you know, I've never brought a horse in my life, okay? Or every horse I've owned, trained, and driven, I've bred myself. So, what's the normal daily routine for you then? How do you divide up your time? I get up at five in the morning. I go and do my horses, and then I head to the hospital. Booms about oh nine o'clock, and then uh, yeah, and then work the day, and then on the way home, call into the stables and feed the horses, and then home. It is pretty straightforward. It isn't too hard, really. It's just it's a long day. <laughs> And you've got an ambition now to to ride a a, a Group One winner. Uh, I thought I might have had one. I had a couple of nice um, two year olds or last year, they're three year olds now, and a really nice trotter. Okay, but unfortunately, um, they got injured, and so I'm still breathing from young ones now. And uh, I've got a not bad little two year old at present. I'm just broken in and working. Uh, so mm, it's going to be hard because there's not many group one races okay so and at my age at 80 well gee, you know time's running out well yeah but clearly clearly it might be running out for some people but clearly it's not running out, out for you like you you're showing no signs of uh, of diminishing in any way uh, how long do you think you can you can kick on for well as long as, as, long as the, 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 the harness racing um, authorities allow me to, to have my driver's licence, uh, I have to have a full medical every year, ECG, blood test, test, the whole lot, you know, just to make sure that I tick all the boxes. And um, so far, I'm I fine. I mean, uh, I don't have any systemic problems. My problems have been sort of broken bones and I've had two hip replacements and knee replacements. I've had my spinal fusion done. I've had a fractured pelvis twice from falls and the horses but apart from skeletal problems you know i don't have any systemic problems and the systemic problems is going to kill you isn't it well, you're not going to die of broken bones i saw there was a race today the, the, the luck chin bionic man stakes was it i died yeah, yeah yeah because of my birthday two days ago 80th birthday they named the race yeah the bionic luncheon handicap trot yeah because you know, because all the metal in my body from my injuries <laughs> Well, it, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure and an honour to, ha- to have you on the, on the podcast this morning. Luck, thanks so much for talking to me. Not at all, it's a pleasure. Nick assures me that won't be the last we hear from Luck Chin, and so hopefully we'll check in with him again soon, maybe after that elusive first Group 1 success. Thank you very much for listening this week. Nick will be back on Monday morning with all the latest news and no doubt plenty of insight ahead of Trials Day at Cheltenham next weekend, as well as the Pegasus Invitational in Florida, where Nick will be coming to you from from the middle of next week. Stay warm and have a great weekend.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.